Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 408. Last week was pretty uh, heavy. You know, Ian O'Connor did a great job, but the live golf, PGA, controversy, sports washing, uh, it, it's heavy stuff. And I uh, wanted to have some fun this week. And I was introduced to something that is so foreign to me, and I embraced it, and I wanted to learn. Have you ever heard of ocean racing? The ocean race is a yacht race around the world. Every three or four years since 1973, these yachts, they travel around the world and they do so and they do so over nine or ten legs and they have stopover cities in Spain, the Netherlands, The Hague, Cape Town, Melbourne, Hong Kong, Auckland, Newport, Rhode Island, Gothenburg, Cardiff. It's all over the world. Our guest today is talking to us in between one of the legs. I was sent these YouTube links and I couldn't believe what I was watching. There are teams from all over the world, and there's an American team that's based in Newport, Rhode Island, called the 11th Hour Racing Team. Our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Charlie Enright. He's the skipper. He's the guy in charge of the 11th Hour Racing Team. He's 36 years old. He's been sailing his whole life, and he was really cool about coming on the podcast, so I'm excited to talk to him. The last time an American skipper won this ocean race was 2001 so it has been over 20 years since this has happened and this is the first time they've done the ocean race since 2017-18 because of covid so let's welcome in here on sports with friends the skipper of the 11th hour racing team charlie enright charlie i have to say i'm disappointed uh i thought we were going to do this in a boat like i thought you were going to be on the high seas while we were doing this interview you're like in an actual building. I got to say, it's kind of a letdown. Uh, sorry to disappoint, but um, I, I guess at the end of the day, it's a job and everyone's got an office. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's got an office. Uh, racing, uh, boat racing. Uh, you travel around the world. I mean, in essence, around the world. And some of the races are uh, these marathon across, you know, from continent to continent across oceans. It is a, a, a testament to endurance, but it is also you have to race. You have to go as fast as you can. Um, so I have to understand the difference. I've seen, you know, video and I, I, I've, I've watched your races. How do you maintain the intensity for that long? Oh, I think um, I think the competition is um, is what pushes you. You know, I mean, I think it's the thought of someone conceivably working harder than you. And, um, you know, that's what keeps you going. I mean, it's the competition, but it's also an adventure, you know. Um, it'd be like, you know, people view summoning Everest, you know, as this huge accomplishment. But, um, you know, what if you, you know me so well? You you must know me so well. Well, you were going to go there. But I mean, think if you were racing somebody up Everest, you know, I mean, what would what would that do to your ascent? Um, it's 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 that kind of thing. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, 30,000 um, you know, mile race around the world, but some of the legs, as you pointed out, are, you know, 8,000 miles, 12,000 miles, and some are just 800 miles, like the one we just completed, but you're always operating at a hundred percent, but a hundred percent looks different depending upon what the task at hand may be. All right, let's start at the beginning here. There's people that are listening to this podcast. First of all, you're going to share this on social media. So your fans 
I'm going to apologize in advance because we're going to talk to him like we're five years old. How did you get involved in something like this? You clearly have a thing for water and boats, but how did racing become a thing? Oh, I think, um, you know, I grew up in Rhode Island, um, you know, which is a, a, a maritime epicenter. And I don't know if, uh, you know, a career like mine could really exist anywhere else, to be honest. But yeah, my, my, my grandfather was a boat builder and, um, you know, at a young age, I had a, a need for childcare and both my, uh, both my parents worked and, um, you know, childcare for me was either, you know, going to sailing lessons or hanging around the boatyard. And then, um, I guess when I was 10, maybe nine, uh, I started racing and that's when the competitive juices kind of took over. And, um, you know, from there it became, Scholastic, I guess, in nature. I did it in high school. I did it in college. Um, you know, and then I guess it was around that time that I decided that it could be a profession. And as much as my family tried to dissuade me in some soft way uh, from joining the marine industry, here I am, you know? Well, I, I, I have to to wonder that. I, I mean, so the, so what's that conversation like? Like, you get a pension for this. You re, You find out that there's this competition. And you say, not only can I do this, but I, I, this is where I want my career, my life to go. Uh, who, who, who did you tell first? And then what's the reaction? Oh, I mean, I, I think the ocean race, you know, which was formerly the Volvo ocean race. And prior to that, the Whitbread round the world race is just the, uh, you know, the pinnacle of crude offshore sailing and has been forever. So, you know, as a competitive person, uh, you know, operating in this medium, it's what you naturally aspire to. Um, it's just whether or not, um, you know, I was going to make it, you know, I mean, it's sailing, right? But I mean, in some ways, it's like the NBA. I mean, there's a lot of people around dribbling basketballs with aspirations that never make it, you know. Um, so it, it kind of became real for me. Uh, just just after college, you know, when I when I started sailing professionally and uh, my partner and I, Mark Towell, kind of put this um, you know concept of a team together and achieve sponsorship, which is a little atypical in how most people start. I mean, most people try to get, um, you know, a foot in the door and kind of come up through the ranks. And, um, you know, we kind of took an alternative route, which was to to build our own city, if you will, to quote Jefferson Starship. And uh yeah, it's just uh, it's it's been snowballing. Right, now you're dating yourself. You fit this podcast just fine. You'll fit right <laughs> in. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, and it's just snowballed from there, and here we are on our third lap of the planet. And um, you know, we we think humbly that we have the best jobs in the world, and uh, look forward to coming to work every day. And it's uh, it's strange what we do, but we love it. Um, you've been around the world three times. You said that. Yes, sir. Three times. That's wild. Sure. Um, sorry, I just I had to digest that for for a second. Um, all right, here come the five year old questions. How many people on a team? Uh, four sailors, and then there's a fifth person on board um, that we call a media person, whose job it is to um, create all the content that you folks can see at home and to send it off through the satellite so people can follow. Oh, and now we're talking. That's a job I could do. That's that. Okay, so you go on the boat, and your job is to not slow you down and yet get a bunch of content. 
Correct. Yeah, correct. I mean, I think, um, you know, back in the day, um, this, this, this race was a little bit more um, amateur in nature. And as there became a need for uh, commercial return, uh, it wasn't acceptable to have the boats go over the horizon for a month at a time and then come back and have that be it. <laughs> so the story is captured and it's sent off the boat every day. I mean, there's more content than, you know, certainly we can catch up on. Ironically, when we get in from these legs, it's like, you know, we don't know what happened on the other boats because we don't have enough time to just physically sit there and digest it all. Um, so it's it's wild, the product they're able to put together while we're on the water. So this is not a five-year-old question, but it sounds like from a from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, again, I'm thinking about the person listening to this podcast that wants to get involved. The best way to watch these races are after they're over, because after they're over, you can watch packaged uh, content that these race media uh, coordinators can perform. Because if you're racing, you know, 8000 miles from Europe to Africa, you, uh, I, I probably just sounded really stupid right there, but just the idea that you're you're doing that and you're going for, you know, a day, who's sitting in front of a television for a day, and what network is going to air that? But if you could then take all the footage that you acquire over the course of that and put it together in a ninety minute, a two hour, whatever, whatever the the content is, there's something that a fan can latch onto and. You know, what I noticed in doing my research for the podcast is your YouTube videos are highly produced and not oh. just your teams, not just your teams, but the sport itself. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, I think the media crew members obligation is, um, you know, two to three high resolution photos a day and, you know, two to three minutes of edited video a day and um, maybe 200 words or something like that. But then, you know, they will send all that off the boat via the satellite, but then behind them. Um, there's a huge production team, you know, putting all of this together. And, um, you know, as much as it's cool to follow after the fact and, you know, they're making docu-series and race wrap-up videos and all that kind of stuff, it's 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 most addicting to follow, I'd say, in real time because you have the tracker and the competition and every hour there's an update. And um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, what do they call it? The endorphins in like social media when you just sure. scroll, scroll. Well, refresh, refresh, refresh. I mean, that that is very true with the with the tracker having had to sit legs out in the past. Oh, I I, I can just I can just imagine uh, just just the idea of being able to present all this stuff. OK. Um, a race that is, like you said, 10,000 miles. Um, how long does that take to, to run? How, how, how many days are you at sea? So the, the longest there's a, a follow-up. That that's kind of a setup question here. No, no. I mean the 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 longest leg that we've had in this race is actually the longest leg in the history of the 50 years the race has been in existence. Now and you're showing off. To, uh, that's correct. Twelve thousand seven hundred and fifty miles to be exact. Um from Cape Town, South Africa to Brazil. But the long, the long way, if you will. So under the Cape of Good Hope, Good Hope under Cape Lewin, which is um, the western mm-hmm. of Australia, and then um, you know under Cape Horn, and then up to Brazil, and that took us thirty-seven and a half days, um, which is pretty wild. That's nuts. Okay, so thirty-seven and a half days. I just want to call you on what something that you said earlier. You have to do it faster than everybody else. Correct. You know. If 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 you told me I was sailing something like that in 37 days, my whole idea is don't die. You know, just just survive it. 
right? That yeah. that's that that's my mentality is just stay living and get there when you get there. Your yeah. job is to get there before everyone else. So over the course of thirty-seven days, do you have shifts? Do you have do do, do the guys, you know, take power naps? How does it work that you have your whole team? And as the skipper, how do you maintain that? Make sure everybody does their job so that you guys can be efficient over thirty-seven days. So is that is that one question or is that like twenty questions? That was like seven questions easily. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me um, so, I mean, I think you, you I swear I've done 400 episodes of this. <laughs> you, you seem like a real pro. The, uh, the, uh, you know, now something that's you the promo. That, <laughs> something you touched on there, uh, in the beginning is like just the, the survival element of it. And certainly, you know, never is that more omnipresent than in the Southern ocean. And, um, we always say, you know, to finish first, you must first finish. And it's a balance of how hard, um, you know, to push these boats and at what time and how hard to push the people and, uh, you know, at what time. Um, you know, you got to remember that we're, you know, most people, you have a bad day at work, you just go home, you know, <laughs> and they show up the next day with a, with a smile on your face and whatever. I mean, we, we live in a 60-foot carbon box with our coworkers and there's nowhere to hide, you know, sure. so just as much as it's a physical test of the elements it's a you know test of our interpersonal relationships and uh yeah there's 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 a lot there my friend for sure but um i think it's about getting everybody on the same page and um you know having everybody row in the right direction and keeping their eyes on the prize and making sure that um you know like in any good team you know that the, the the team is bigger than anyone and, um, you know, we're, we're, believe it or not, as crazy as we are to do this, there's a long list of people that would sign up to do it tomorrow. So we're very lucky. Um, and we all got to make the most of the opportunity. Support for Sports with Friends is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And I rhymed, and I didn't even realize it's great to have Manscaped back with Sports with Friends. The lawnmower, I've used it. It's wonderful. The Crop Reviver Toner. The Performance Boxer Briefs, wearing them right now. The Ball Deodorant, much, much more. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. My wife actually likes that. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Type in the keyword FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The trimmer is waterproof. You can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. The Weed Whacker also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Guys, it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FRIENDS2022. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job 
with Manscaped. You know, last time we did this commercial, we ended it with a smart aleck remark, but I meant it. Man, woman, anybody, as long as you're an adult, photos are available upon request. Well, as I said in the top, the whole thing fascinates me. So I, I just, I'm trying to see the the boots to the ground, practical application of this. And it, the, whole, the whole thing just seems uh, wild. How are you in the course of the sailing? You're in the middle of the ocean. How do you know how, A, well you're doing and who's telling you? Is there part of your team or someone from your team on radio? Um you know, do iPhones work? I, how how do how do you have contact to know? Hey, we better pick up the pace. You know, yeah. I, I do a lot of uh, Formula E rate uh, podcasts, right? So Formula E, uh, the the driver is so dependent on his team, he has to know: Can I afford to waste energy? Not waste, but use energy to pass the guy on my left, right? Yeah. How you have to know. I don't see the guy on my left. I don't know where that guy is. How do you know how much faster you have to go? Because as we're recording this, you're winning. So clearly, whatever you're doing, tell us yeah. your secrets. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the boats are operating with a lot of the same information. So every hour, we get what we call competitor skeds. So, or position reports, you know, sched as schedule, um, pause rep, position report. So we get those every hour and that gives us the lat long of our competitors. So we know where they are every hour. So there's an element of the weather that decides how hard you push. And then there's an element of the competition that decides how hard you push. Um, but then, you know, the weather um, is obviously a big part of it too. And so we get weather updates multiple times a day, um, you know, via satellite and everybody has access to the same weather. And then everybody has access to their own boat's performance profile is basically what I'd call it. And we use some software because it is, despite my Jefferson Starship reference, 2003. So we use that software, which is essentially an algorithm, which is a huge buzzword these days, that takes our boat's performance and the weather, um, both of which are digitized, mix them together, and it spits out like a best guess at a yellow brick road. That's, that's essentially we that's do amazing. Our yeah that's that's pretty incredible and and that 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 yellow brick road um you know ends up interfacing with a um you know a suite of software around maps and depth contours and what have you but then you know that that's the science part of it but then the art of it is that's that's the sailor looking at the yellow brick road and deciding you know what? I, I've been in that part of the world in these conditions before. I think the sea state's going to be in excess what's predicted. Let's move this line to the west, or let's move this line to the east, or what have you. So, I mean, it's not it's not robotic. Uh, you know, it's 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 far from that. Um, but you know, that's where we get you know most of our suggestions as far as navigation is concerned. Yeah, but you're two thousand miles outside of Brazil, and you can say. Oh, I've been here before. You know what that looks like? To me, you know, it all there, looks like water. It, it, uh, it, correct. But then also, you know, for instance, because we're 2,000 miles from anywhere, the weather is as unreliable as it is in any other sure. place. Because, you know, you look at the weather in the North Atlantic where there are tons of ships and shipping routes and there's observations. It's garbage in, garbage out. So the weather in the North Atlantic is decently predictable. But in the Southern Ocean where there's nobody and no data points, um, 
the 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 weather forecasts aren't that great. So you can see a real uh, a forecast for say you know now I'm going to go all nautical on you guys twenty five no, good. 30 knots of wind and you know you're actually sailing in 40 to 45 knots of wind you know the next time that forecast comes through predicting light air you know that perhaps it's wrong and in that direction so you know it's always something or you know when a front crosses over you um it, it might do a bad job at predicting you know when the sea state for instance in the southern ocean goes from northwest to southwest to, it's stuff like that um, it's the nuance, um, you know, that we have to put in and it's the big picture that the computers help us with. Uh, it, it, I mean, I've already said it. it it's fascinating. Um, when you're when you talk about getting weather reports, um, I think for the audience. You have to recognize like every bit of wind is your weather report. It's not, you know. You're looking for 5, 10, 15 mile an hour winds as much as you are looking for rainstorms and other such, you know, weather anomalies. I, I, I would think along the lines of you need every detail because that's how you base all of your strategies. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, there was an inflection point somewhere in nautical history where ships would go from one place to the other and get run over by the weather. Right. <laughs> and now... Now we have boats. Right. Fast One of those explorers didn't get anywhere. Correct. And, you know, now we have boats that are fast enough to be chased the weather. You know, there's a storm over there. Let's go there, you know, and ride it across the ocean. Right. Because you know, you'll go faster. Precisely. Um, you know, so so th these boats are as fast as they are. They're, you know, robust in nature because of given, you know, because of what we're asking of them. But compared to boats that the race has had in the past, they're actually quite fragile. So they're at their best when they have, uh, you know, probably what I'd call 15 to 25 knots of wind. And uh, the flatter the sea state, the better. It's like in uh, in skiing terms, they're looking for corduroy, you know, pack power. <laughs> With 20 inch base. Uh, but unfortunately, we end up in, uh, you know, moguls and glades and <laughs> sheets of ice and, you know, everything a skier is looking to avoid all the time, too. So, uh, you know, but when we have those bluebird days, those kind of, um, you know, pack powder corduroy conditions, I mean, the boats really, really rip and can reach speeds of up to almost 50 miles an hour. Uh, when I was watching the YouTube videos of the most recent race. I don't even want to say what country it was because I don't want to be wrong and, and, and say it. But the guy, the skipper that they were interviewing was just bitching about weather. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, that is the wrong attitude. Like, just like, first of all, if you're a fan of that, 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 that guy, that's not what you want to hear. So, like, even if it's true that the weather sucked, don't say that in the interview. I just the whole thing was throwing me. He kept bitching about the weather. I just I didn't understand. But I see how vital uh, it, it is. Uh, the boat that you guys sail, um, it's a sailboat. Uh, but is it fortified with like vibranium? Like what? 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 Uh, like what? What? What is it made of? What does it have? Special racing yeah, metal? So I, I I don't know. Like how how Knight Rider is it? 
we're, we're back to the five early questions. I like it. So sorry, the, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we raised a 60-foot boat uh, called the Market 60. And um, there's probably 50 of them in the world. Um, it, you know, it's a class that exists independent of the race that we're currently engaged in. Well, let me, uh, let me interrupt you then. Do all the boats have to be a certain weight and a certain level and a certain size? Yeah. Or can you customize it in any way to make you guys go faster? Exactly. So it's oh, what we call five. Now I'm eight. Well, yeah, it's what we call a box roll. So if you have a little of column A, you have to have a little less of column B. So, you know, if you want more, um, you know, weight in your keel, you have to have less water line or it's just something along those those lines. I mean, that that's a uh, gross oversimplification. But, um, you know, all the boats are different. They thrive in different conditions. Um, they're all very fast. I mean, they're all made of, you know, carbon fiber. Um, you know, carbon fiber, unfortunately, today is the best way to build a light, strong boat. Um, but, you know, with our team, 11th Hour Racing, that has, you know, sustainability at the core of our existence, you know, we have been working with the marine industry to come up with alternatives uh, to carbon fiber now for a long time. And we actually have some of those experimentations, those alternative materials on board. Um, we actually use re uh, recycled carbon fiber, which is kind of cool. Um, it's got 90% less overall footprint than virgin carbon fiber. Um, we have some flax, we have some bamboo. We've done a lot of experimentation with bioresins. You know, where you need to make a component that's just light, um, you know, which is kind of the low hanging fruit. It doesn't necessarily need to be light and or strong. Um, you know, you can use some of these alternative materials and we've definitely been on the forefront of that. Um, but where you need something that's light and strong, you know, carbon fiber continues to be the best material today. Um, that's for the hull. But then we also have, um, you know, sails that are made out of, uh, Aramid, which you probably know as Kevlar, which is actually just the DuPont name for Aramid. Um, but then we have, uh, no, but I said vibranium and you went Kevlar. So we're superhero talking. I, I get it. Um, you know, and we got the, the biggest differentiator between these boats and other boats are the foils. Um, you might call them hydrofoils. foils. They stick out the side and they basically do three things. They create lift, which lift the boats up and out of the water and make them more, uh, excuse me, less, um, draggy from a hydrodynamic standpoint. Um, they also stop us from sliding sideways in the water. So they're, you know, leeway prevention because, you know, if you imagine just a sailboat in simple scientific terms, wind hits the sail, sails blow down wind. Um, so you need something to kind of work against it uh, from a hydrodynamic standpoint to make sure we're going fast through the water straight and not just blowing downwind. And then the other thing it does is it creates what we call writing moment, which is allow, it allows us to carry more sail, basically put more power in the sky if we have more power in the water. Um, so, so those are the unique feature and they're really what allow the boats to achieve the speeds that you know are kind of eye popping in nature. More Sports with Friends in just a moment. You know, I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcasts. Marble's AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. 
We've done close to 400 episodes of this show, and sometimes you want to hear about themes that we've done. You can search for hockey podcasts that we've done, football podcasts that we've done. If you want to hear about the paralysis situation with Eric Legrand or the release of Brittany Griner, we've done four separate podcasts on Brittany Griner's arrest. All the amazing coverage we did of sports and COVID. You can easily make a marble out of this. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of Sports with Friends on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show. And it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com. That's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app. Simply create and share one marble from something said on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on Marble, you'll get access to all the latest Marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users, so head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com, or search Marble in the app or Google Play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts. The first ocean race was in 1973. Uh, this is the first one since 2017, which is wild. I guess uh, maybe they had a delay because of COVID, I would, I would, I would think. Um, yeah. But you would be the first American skipper to win in over 20 years. Uh, how important is that uh, to you? And given the global nature of, A, the contest, because you're traveling around the world, uh, but the fact that all your competition is from all over the world, how important is it as an American to kind of bring that trophy to the United States? Well, I think. Um, or do you hate uh, America? And that's just fine, too. No, I'm just no not, not at all. Are you kidding me? I mean, I think, um, you know, everybody wants to win, you know, I mean, so whatever spin you want to put on it, whatever story okay. you want to come up with. I mean, we want to win. Um, you know, for the team, for our supporters, for our sponsors, everybody that's been a part of putting this thing together. Um, and then after that, I think the rest kind of takes care of itself. You know, you look back on what you've, you know, actually accomplished and how it came together. And, you know, you can't start talking about the past until the present's concluded. Um, so that that's kind of where we are on it. But I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's amazing to even just have a job like this you know i wake up every day and pinch myself i just feel privileged and lucky and you know certainly you make your own luck and it's through a lot of hard work that we've gotten here but um you know i think really just not losing that perspective is is really important um to helping the team stay grounded and humble and um you know hopefully in the end we accomplish something great all right i save this for the end uh i do have a social media question for you but uh, i'll save this one my last uh, five-year-old question, uh, thir- race for 37 days. What's the food situation here? What, what, are, what are we packing? Is it, is it Twinkies? Um, 
what 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 are we doing uh, on the boat? And then when you get to a site, does the team just say, "Screw this, we're going for like a massive team dinner"? Like, how how does that all work? Yeah, basically, basically you hit the nail on the head. Other than the Twinkie thing, and I see why you went there with the shelf life and whatnot. But we uh, Twinkies oh, are too- and they could survive a nuclear explosion. I watch Family Guy, but they're not really. Um, they're a little weighty, you know. Oh, I see. Oh, we have to eat light food. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, like astronauts, well, some of it's weight, and then uh, you know, a lot of it's volume. Because think if you brought thirty-seven days of Twinkies versus the powder that we actually bring, which is the freeze-dried food that we have for every meal. So we we're, we're more like astronauts when it comes to our uh, culinary situation. I'm so yeah, glad I asked. Yeah, so basically we have a galley, which is nautical for kitchen, but all the galley on our boat really is, is a a jet oil, um, just literally a one burner um, little apparatus that allows us to boil water and dump it in some powder and the powder becomes mush and all the mush has different flavors and uh, enough calories to get us through our day. And and that's us. I mean, it all tastes different. It all kind of is the same texture by and large. but it's enough to survive. You know, some of it's better than other stuff. Um, but then, you know, the water that we're boiling, think about that. We actually get that water from the sea and we have a desalinator on board. So we take salt water on board, put it through a, you know, water maker, which is like a semi-permeable membrane and through, you know, reverse osmosis, it creates fresh water. Um, and so that's what we end up boiling. And then, you know, that water doesn't have all the minerals and nutrients that we need. So we put in... Uh, you know, electrolytes and, you know, we have to supplement with other vitamins and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's pretty complicated, the food situation. And then, you know, but we add bars, you know, which are dense, you know, they're caloric, obviously, but, um, you know, they, they, the protein they become, bars. Yep, exactly. So they become worth their weight and gold. Um, and yeah, so we have all the food, um, in different sachets, you know, for a day. So basically you'll take, um, one day out and decant it into the day bag and when everybody's eating everything with their name on it you refresh in 24 hours and then you refresh in 24 hours and it gets a little mundane but it's an efficient way to do it no uh, i'm really glad i asked that um okay we talked about the videos and the photos and such but somebody's listening to this podcast your story is incredible this whole thing is it's fascinating uh, I want to be able to follow your travails. I want to wish you good luck uh, when you're on your 17th day in Brazil uh, or not in Brazil, but in the ocean <laughs> uh, on your way to Brazil. I'm, I'm just making something up. Uh, how can people reach you? You know, I, I've kind of taken social media out of the podcast ever since uh, Elon took on Twitter and and kind of screwed that whole thing up. Um, <laughs> I've kind of tried to take social media, but you're a story that you know you're 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 gallivanting around the world and people listening to this podcast are like on a treadmill somewhere like how how can people send you good wishes and 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 root for you because i hope that everybody who's listening to this podcast now roots for you guys and 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 roots for your team um you know, cyberspace is the best way, I'd say. You know, we got a team team website, 11thHourRacingTeam.com, I think, or something like that. If Lisa yep, can... I'm a subscriber. Yep, yep. You'll, you'll, if you use the Google box, you'll come across it eventually. Um, you know, we, we, we got an email subscription. We do, um, you know, monthly, if not biweekly, um, newsletters. You know, we have uh, unplanned news blasts around events that occur over the course of the race. 
Um, that's if you're not a social media maven. Um, you know, if you, if you are a little bit more in tune with that, you know, we got handles on Instagram and Facebook and 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 all that stuff too. Um, but yeah, we the support does make it through to us, and we really appreciate it, and it and, and it does fuel us while while we're out there. Um, so yeah, that that's the best way to follow along. I mean, there's the Ocean Race website, the event website as well. Uh, that's a good place to find the um, tracker and the latest news. And um, yeah, for an event that's not located in uh, American mainstream, there's certainly a lot of different ways to follow along. Well, I, I'll be honest, you know, somebody, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, approached me and said, you know, uh, told me your story and said, this would be a great uh, guest on the podcast. And I was like, sailing around the world? Like, how, how can I even watch this? Like, I didn't even know how to do the prep for this, uh, for, for this, for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, it has been an absolute joy to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out. Um, I hope I didn't slow you down. Uh, oh. Uh, but seriously, in, in all in all seriousness, uh, please do this continued success. And how about this? When the race is over, when the when the when the whole thing is over, and you have a little bit of a break, come back to the podcast and tell me how the season went, and we'll kind of do a, a a recap of the thing. And I'll ask much smarter questions. Oh, please! It was awesome to um, you know to be on for sure. I'd love to come on again, and maybe next time we can even talk about some Main Street sports. I'm uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan, and uh, I think you have one of the coolest jobs in the world. Oh well, you, you're you know it's funny. I didn't want to go off on that man massive tangent in the beginning, but you said you're from Newport, Rhode Island. Now, half of Newport is Red Sox, and half of Newport is Yankees. Yeah. What what side of the pendulum did you fall? Well, it's interesting you say that. So as, as part of the Newport stopover, I actually got to go throw the first pitch at Fenway Park, which is like a dream. Awesome. For me. Yeah, I got to go up there with my son and uh, it, it, it was really cool. I mean, sailing's afforded me a lot of different opportunities over the course of my life. And, um, you know, just <laughs> I'm super thankful for those and to, be able to share, you know, one of those special moments with my son was just, you know, absolute magic. So I'm on the Red Sox side, uh, you know, grew up during during this during the serious part of the rivalry there um but yeah well there's no such thing as a long-suffering red sox fan anymore yeah i think that's the truth i mean i was uh in high school when they reversed the curse and you know went to the victory parade and duck boats and the whole thing so for me to go to my park a couple weeks ago was uh was, was, was pretty cool of course he references the boats uh <laughs> Charlie, thanks so much for doing this. Good luck. Good luck with the rest of the race. You're in first place at the time of this recording. So if it all goes downhill, we'll never hear from you again. <laughs> thanks so much. Have a good one. Charlie Enright here on Sports with Friends. Our thanks to everybody, uh, Rob Zimmerman, for helping to put this together. Everybody from the 11th Hour Racing Team for uh, setting this interview up. Good luck to the 11th Hour Racing Team. We're officially fans. And if they win, I want a T-shirt. That's what we're campaigning for. And I want Charlie back here on the podcast. Next week, former Boston Red Sox, former Major League pitcher, L.A. Dodger. He's pitched for a lot of different teams. Derek Lowe joins the podcast next week right here on Sports with Friends. We'll see you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I 